0: closing out this weight series, uh, and I'm really excited. I love, uh, I I don't know if you're like me, but I love LIST. If y'all know me, you know that about me. I sure like LIST. I like instructions. I have no idea or or, or experience like on how to build things or how to do uh, fancy stuff or like work on my house, but if there's a set of instructions, I can at least follow those instructions. Last year, I felt pretty handy. The coils went out in the back of my dryer. So I ordered some new ones, watched a YouTube video and paused it after each set of instructions and did exactly what the guy did. And for exactly eight months, that worked. And as of last week, it stopped. So I don't know. I might get some new ones and try it again, or it might be time for a new dryer. Either way, I can follow some instructions. So as I was reading uh, in my own devotion time uh, a few weeks ago, thinking about this weight series in the back of my mind, I came to Psalm 57. Honestly, if you're doing a read through the Bible in a year thing, then you probably read Psalm 57 a couple weeks ago as well. But as I was reading it, I was putting myself in David's shoes. And I'm going to get to, to this whole thing here in a second. But as I was reading it, it was almost like David was giving us a living example of how to do one of the things we have talked about in this series, which is wrapping our thoughts around the thoughts of the Lord. How do we know? Well, we just read Jeremiah and 11, where God says, I know the thoughts I have to you. I know the plans I have for you. We can know his thoughts. He literally gave them to us in this book we call the Bible. He's given us a, a roadmap to his thoughts, right? We can know his nature. And as we wrap our thoughts around his thoughts, which that's what that word weight means, to wrap around, to entwine. So as we wait or we are in a waiting season, especially as we wrap our thoughts around his, we see breakthrough. And David gives us this example of of doing this. And there's five things I noticed in this one text. And I want to talk about these five things that David did. Right. And, And I really believe if we can apply these or as we apply them, we'll see the same breakthrough that he saw. Because, you know, the same God that was with David in that cave is the same God that is with us right now. Not only is he the same God, did you know this? We actually have a better covenant than David had. David spent years, he spent his entire life writing the Psalms and prophesying about the time we live in right now. It is the greatest time to be alive. We have revelation on the nature of God like never before in history. David didn't have Hardly any of this book he could refer to. He had part of it, but he had hardly any, especially not the New Testament. Jesus had not come and made that sacrifice. The Holy Spirit had not yet began to dwell on the inside of people. We have a covenant unlike anything David had. It's something he could only imagine and prophesy about. So we're going to go to his example, and when we apply that to our lives and add the power of the Holy Spirit that is inside of me and you, we are going to see breakthrough like never before in our lives. Amen. Amen. You know, a lot of this goes back to Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart. So is he that that, that's the thing about uh, the way God made us. Everything has to start from the inside out. Other than that, it's just superficial. We can make changes on the outside. We can and are able to change our behavior. But let me tell you, when you make a permanent change, it starts from the inside and works its way out. That's just the way it is. And I can tell you that from, uh, from my own personal life. Yesterday was 21 years exactly to the date I heard a message that changed my life completely. It was September uh, September 17th. 2001 i was sitting at a good old-fashioned camp meeting in charlotte which is happening again this week except for 21 years ago at my pastor's church i met lisa there 21 years ago it was underneath a big old tent outside like like walking into 1955 or something which was kind of weird to walk into and see in the year 2001 or whatever it was but i sat under that tent and i heard andrew say. So many times as a Christian, we're trying to get something from the Lord. He's already given us and he talked about forgiveness and he talked about uh, healing and he talked about all kinds of blessings and promises that are for every believer in the New Testament. And it changed my life. This is a very quick version of my testimony. I'm not going to get into like a ton of details today. I do see some new faces. So here was the thing I was a kid and even a young adult that lived just guilt ridden and condemned every day of my life. No matter how good I did, I went to sleep every night just thinking I was lower than dirt. So much so that I had a handwritten list of all the sins I committed on a normal basis. I heard a guy at summer camp say to do this years before. I wish I'd have never heard him say it. It messed me up. I knelt down beside my bed and instead of going to sleep thinking about the goodness of God and being grateful for who he was in my life, I pulled that list out and knelt beside my bed. And for the next hour to two hours, I would think through my day and ask God to forgive me for every individual sin I committed. It was a nightmare. It was literally hell on earth and probably the most self-centered thing I can think of ever doing in my life, kneeling by my bed to pray and only focusing on myself. Doesn't that just sound ridiculous? But for some reason, that's what I did for three to four years of my life until 21 years ago yesterday, I went home after hearing Andrew Womack speak and I tore that list up and I threw it away and I went to bed shaking, thinking I might wake up in hell because I'm not gonna go down my list tonight and think about all these things I did wrong and ask God to forgive me. I laid in bed, I said, thank you, Jesus, and I woke up the next morning in more freedom than I'd ever experienced in my life. 21 years ago, yesterday, my life changed from the inside out, and it has been a lasting change. I can tell you now, 21 years of living in the goodness of God and knowing that on my best day, he's as close to me as he's ever been saying, I love you and I'm proud of you, my son. And on my worst day, he is just as close and he's saying, I love you and I'm proud of you. My son, he's not telling me he's proud of the mistakes. No, love sees the best in people. That's in 1 Corinthians 13. He sees the best in me. And through that love on the inside and knowing that that's who I am no matter what, it leads to change on the outside all the time. And that's the power of our thoughts. That is the power of our mind. And when we fill it with the word, Paul said in Romans chapter 12, that when we renew our mind to the word, instead of thinking like the world, we'll begin to think Like Jesus will begin to think like a born again, blood bought person. If we find ourselves experiencing the same emotions and behaviors as the world, it doesn't mean we're not Christians. It just means that our mind has become more renewed to the way this world works than the way this kingdom works. It's an example and it is a, a pointer that points to the fact that we need to fill our thoughts and to fix them like Paul did from the depths of a prison on what is good, holy, pure, and on who we are in Jesus and not our outside circumstances. So instead of going over all the things from last week, uh, which was really just the first half of this message, I'm going to start right here with Psalm 57. Uh, You know, we, we re, if you want it to catch up, if you feel like you need to catch up, like you're missing something, go watch last week's service or listen to the, the, the live or, or the podcast or whatever, because I, I had verse references and all kinds of things like that, including Ephesians 118, that the summary that I'm going to give you says that when your imagination Becomes filled with the hope found in Jesus, you find breakthrough. It has to start up here. We have an imagination for a reason. Sounds kind of weird sometimes when you hear someone say, use your imagination to picture the things God has called you to. But you know, most of us do it and don't think it's weird when we do the opposite, which is worry. Worry is using our imaginations to think of the negative, to picture the negative outcome. All I'm saying is take that worry, turn it to what your imagination is used, supposed to be for. And that is to picture the things God has called you to do. He gave Abraham a picture. You'll be the father of many nations, as many as the sand on the shore or the stars in the sky. He gave Joseph dreams and he also gave David pictures, including being an anointed king when he was just a kid. Well, this is after David was anointed. This was after he'd killed Goliath. He had served in King Saul's court. He was like a son in ways to King Saul. He was like a brother to King Saul's son, Jonathan. Yet King Saul knew because the prophet told him that David was next in line, not one of your sons. Saul was a a people pleaser. In fact, when Saul uh, was told you'll no longer be king and your son won't be king, there's this... uh, thing you can just breeze over if you're not careful but when David messed up he went straight to the Lord when Saul messed up and the prophet said you've lost your right to be king he said to the prophet please before I'm no longer king honor me one more time in front of the people the people that was a glimpse into Saul's mind it was not about pleasing the Lord it wasn't about God at all it was about lift me up in front of the people one more time that was his only concern David was a man after God's heart. Saul became violent with him several times, and this is one of the times David, knowing he'd be the next king, Saul knowing it, was after David trying to kill him. He took an entire army to hunt David down, and David was hiding in a cave, right? From that cave, David wrote Psalm 57. So I'm going to read this from the New Living, and I'm going to stop and talk about these verses and talk about these steps, almost like instructions we can pull from this and see breakthrough in our life because David saw actual breakthrough. And you can see even in writing this how he experienced it on the inside before he experienced it on the outside. So here we go. Verse one. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. All right. We can stop right there. Number one. He confronted a need in his life. He looked around. He said, I'm in a cave. I'm surrounded. There's people on the outside that want me dead. Have mercy, God. I have a need. I need mercy. This is a truth in life. You will not overcome what you don't confront. You've got to confront those things you're trying to overcome The Bible says it in in all kinds of different ways. We could talk about that, but it's absolute truth. And as a believer, well, first of all, in our humanity, oftentimes we're afraid to confront the big giant in our life. We're embarrassed by it. We think people are going to judge me, my wife, my husband won't understand, uh, my friends won't understand, my pastor won't understand. And there's this giant in our life, and we are afraid to confront it. But as a believer... What is your word? What is my word? We have nothing to fear because Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed against us will prosper. It says, uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. If you're in a healthy community, and I can tell you, if you're in this community, I can't imagine you coming to somebody in this community and, and saying, this is something I'm dealing with in life. And then people judging you instead of lifting your arms up and saying, let me help you get past this. That's why we have each other. We just did this dedication. Right. And, and we're all here in this together to, to lift up Paul and Megan's arms. If there's a moment when they get tired. Right. We're here to, to, to help these kids, to, to them to see us operate into things of God and then apply that to their own lives. We are here for each other. Don't be afraid to confront the giant in your life because you will overcome. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. Don't be afraid to confront it. David says, I have a need. And in this moment. I need mercy. So step one, confront the giant, confront the need in your life. We can see step two and three happen here in the next sentence. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. That's awesome, because you know what? David had never seen God in the flesh He doesn't know that God has wings or doesn't have wings. He's using his imagination right here. He's fixing his thoughts on the truth. He's saying, I look to you for protection, not these rocks, not this cave, not the mighty men that were with him in the cave. He says, this is all great, but I look to you for protection. And then he uses his imagination and he has a picture of God with wings stretched out and himself hiding in the shadow of those wings. That is literally his imagination. That's awesome. I mean, there's times in life, we, it's like we, we start to use our imagination and someone tells us to stop and grow up and here we can see in the word, imagination is a tool that is in every one of our belts that we can use and fill it up with those thoughts that are good and those pictures of God as, as, as a, a, with wings hiding under his shelter. And watch what happens next. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to you, most high God, to you who fulfill your purpose for me. You fulfill your purpose for me. He had been anointed to be king. So what was he doing right here? He was thinking back and he was saying, wait, you told me I was going to be king. You called me to be king. That hasn't happened yet. You are the one who is faithful. Even when I'm not faithful, you are the one who's faithful. And you've called me for a higher purpose than to be caught dead in this cave. So again, he's encouraging himself now using his imagination to picture the things God has called him to. Here's what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy wants you to picture the things God has called you to do. And then he wants to say, well, you must have messed up because you're not there yet. You must be missing the Lord because you're not there yet. You'll never get there. That's just a picture you have on the inside, but you're not good enough. You don't have the right know how you don't have the education. But God says, no, 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 I called you to these things. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're educated, where you were born. If you think the grass is greener somewhere else, you're right where you need to be and you have everything you need to get there. The enemy would use it for discouragement, but right here, David could have got down. He could have said, well, you called me to be king. You said this was your purpose. But here I am in this cave. This is the end. No, he was picturing that protection of hiding in the shadow of God's wings. And he said, I have a purpose. You've shown it to me and you will fulfill it. You can already hear his tone changing instead of have mercy, have mercy. He's already used his imagination. He's seen that protection. He's seen God with his wings wrapped around him. And he says, you will Fulfill your purpose in me. So step two, fix your thoughts, like Paul said, on those things that are good, holy, righteous, upstanding. Step three, use your imagination to actually get a picture. So here's where we're at. Confront the need. Fix your thoughts on the things of God and then use your imagination to get a picture Man, there is some land that I kind of have in my heart right now. I'm kind of believing for it. I drove past it this morning, and I just pictured myself turning into it. There's not even a driveway yet. There's not even a path yet, but it's right there off Hoffman Road, and I just pictured me getting into the little turn lane and just turning left into this piece of land. Pretty soon I'm going to go walk on it and pretend like there's a pulpit there and preach from it to nobody, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start to get a picture in my mind. Let's get back to our text here. I cry out to God, most high, who will fulfill his purpose in me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. And then he says, Selah, there's a break right there in the text. Stop and think about what he just said. I'll send help from heaven. You'll send help from heaven to rescue me. Another picture. He was surrounded by his own mighty men in this cave, yet his picture was not, we're gonna go out here, we're gonna storm this land, we're gonna destroy this army, I'll take King Saul down, I'll lift myself up to be king. No, he says, you will send protection from heaven. Another picture, and here we go, back to our text. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, And whose tongues cut like swords. If you're not careful, you can read that and think, oh, he's getting pretty freaked out now. Right? He's getting pretty freaked out now. So now he's seeing them like lions. Instead of just seeing an army out there, he said, No, there's lions out there. They devour people just like me, human prey. Their teeth are like spears and arrows, their tongues cut like swords, right? Is he getting freaked out again? Let me tell you, he's not. This is David, who was a shepherd. And who he right before he took down Goliath, King Saul said something like, you can't do this. You're just a kid. What did David say to King Saul? He said, I've been watching my father's sheep for years. And when lions come after the sheep and grab one, I chase them down. And with my bare hands, I open their jaws and I take the sheep from their mouth. This is coming from the young man who had taken down lions through the power of God and rescued the sheep from their mouth. So when he says these people around here are like lions ready to devour me, he's picturing the lions, the physical lions that were surrounding him as a shepherd, ready to devour him. And he's not saying I'm scared of their teeth, he's saying just like those lions 20, 30 years ago, God that got me out of that mess is going to get me out of this mess because these guys are nothing more than another attack. The same old, same old enemy with his same old, same old tricks. He's coming at you again the same way he's come at you before he's attacked your finances once he's attacking it again he's attacked your marriage before he's attacking it again and the same God that got you out of that mess is the same God today and it's time for us instead of getting freaked out looking at our present circumstances or getting freaked out looking at what could be in the future it's time to take a moment to look back sit down if you're married with your spouse and recount the times you have seen God be faithful. Sit down with your spouse tonight before you go to bed. Sit down with a good friend, if you're not married, before you go to bed tonight. Do a phone call or a FaceTime and say, hey, I would just like to recount the goodness of God with you for a second. I hope you don't mind. You might not have to make it sound that weird. You might can think of a way to say it that doesn't sound weird. But that's what I was gonna say, right? I need to recount the goodness of the Lord for a few minutes. And then you know what? Confront the need. Say, we're having some financial problems right now, but We've had these before, and just like the last time God got us out, he's going to get us out this time. He's giving us wisdom right now, just like he did last time. Man, that's really good. That's what David did. He's not getting freaked out. He's saying, I've faced lions before. This is nothing more than another lion. I've faced these issues before. This is nothing more than another attack that's going to fall short. Man, that is powerful, and that is using imagination. So dust those memories off the shelf. We have an actual blessing notebook that we, went, we used to write down every time we got blessed at all. And you might, what does it count for a blessing? Well, whatever you think is a blessing. We have things in there like, oh, my gosh, somebody just bought us a refrigerator that was for our... We had a refrigerator at our wedding shower. But then also beside that, it's somebody... We went to Mike and Mary's house and Mike made us a great cup of coffee, the best cup of coffee I've ever had in my life. That's written down in that blessing book, right? Count your blessings. That's biblical. But go back. If you haven't written them down, remember them and write them down and watch those same lions that faced you before. You still have authority over them. God still has the answer. And instead of getting down and nervous and scared you're going to begin to experience the same kind of breakthrough David have. And you're going to go from, have mercy, God, have mercy. You're going to go through, wait a second, you fulfill your purpose in me. You've called me to do great things. You're like, you're like an eagle. I'm hiding in the shelter of your wings. Nothing can get me because I, I'm right here. You're hiding me. You have me safe. I've seen these lions before, and they fell short, and they're going to fall short again today. Hmm. Here we go back to our text. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine all over over the earth. So here we go. He has gone from saying, I have a need and there's enemies surrounding me, but you're my protection now. It's not even about the enemies at all anymore. He's just worshiping. Be exalted, O God. His entire mind here has shifted from even seeing the problem to just experiencing the goodness of God. Be exalted, O God. Above the highest heaven, may your glory shine all over the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me. I might be weary from distress. They've dug a deep They've dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. Man, step four is just worship. Once you have confronted the issue, fixed your thoughts on the things of God, used your imagination to remember how God's got you out of it, to see how he's called you to a purpose and given a plan for your life. You've used your imagination. Now you will be moved to worship. And as you worship Step five happens. He begins to declare the word. My enemies have set a trap for me. I'm weary from disease. They've dug a deep pit, but they themselves have fallen into it. He's declaring the word and prophesying. He's prophesying here. So you know what? So many times we have this image of, of, of prophecy. Like we gotta get in, in our prayer closet, we have to pray for three hours and God will hit us with some lightning and we'll prophesy. That's awesome, we can do that. But you know what, you can just read this word and you can prophesy the word over your life. So even right now, you might be facing fear, anxiety. Well you know what, let's prophesy. Fear has to fall to the wayside because we don't have a spirit of fear. My spirit is filled with power, love and a sound mind. Sickness, let's prophesy about sickness. It has to bow down to the name of Jesus. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes we were healed. Let's prophesy about depression. We live in a kingdom, and one-third of it is joy in the Holy Ghost. And we can operate in joy at all times. If depression is facing us, if we feel this cloud trying to come over us, we can declare the word. And I'm prophesying that joy in the Holy Ghost will become your strength and will get you through it. You can prophesy the word at any time. You don't even have to feel it. You can open up the word and prophesy and you might feel absolutely nothing, but these words are alive and active. And even when you don't feel anything naturally, there is something happen. There's an entire spiritual world out here and we're not always aware of it, but it's always there. Declare the word, prophesy. That's step five. And I'm telling you, as you do that, you will begin to experience so much breakthrough. Here's the next part of the text. Are you ready for this? So we've we've confronted the issue. We've fixed our thoughts on the things of God, used our imagination to see what he has called us to do, to see the things he's called us to go. Heart was moved to worship, declaring the word. Step five. And here is this result My heart is confident in you. Oh, God, my heart is confident. We have gone from have mercy, have mercy, to now two times. My heart is confident. My heart is confident in you, oh, God. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, you leer and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. And through the night, even through the nighttime, the night seasons, this confident won't go anywhere. This isn't just something that's feeling good when the sun is up and then the sun goes down and it's back to like the depression. It's back to the worry. No, I will awaken the dawn with my song through the night season. This confidence will remain because I've fixed my thoughts on you. I'm setting the imagination on the things you've called me. And even through the night when worry seems to have at sometimes a bigger hold on us. Even through the night. I'll be confident. I'll be confident in you, O God. And then here we go. Now fully confident in the word of God. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. He's writing this from a cave. He's not among the people. He's not among the nations. So now he is fully aware that this is not the end of me. I will be among the people and I'll be among the nations again. And I will be singing your praises for your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all of the earth. Man, that is powerful. That is powerful. And let me tell you, if it weren't for David, how much more for a believer filled on the inside with wall to wall Holy Ghost? How much more for a believer with a full revelation of who God is through his word and who we are in Christ? Man, if you don't know, come to church more often. I'll tell you who you are in Christ every week. Come on. Five steps David gives us confront the need, fix your thoughts on the things of God, use your imagination, worship, and declare. And you don't have to force that stuff. As you fix your thoughts on the Word of God, as you set your imagination, worship will just rise up out of you. And as you worship, you will begin to declare the Word. This is not so much a list that you got to look at and check off one, two, three. No, it's more of a progression. Whereas as you do these things, it's what you will be led to do next. We even see it in a way as, as Paul is in prison. This is another whole example we could talk about. But Paul is in prison towards the end of his life. However, God appears to him or an angel appears to him and says to him, Paul, this isn't the end of you. You still have to go to Rome. And you'll hear Paul talk about that all the time in the book of Acts. After that, he says, "Uh, I I still got to go to Rome. He was in a shipwreck floating in the water. Everybody's afraid they're going to die. He goes, don't worry, guys, we'll be all right. I still have to go to Rome. He really said that. But I, I mean, he had a picture in his mind. The angel said, you will be in Rome preaching. So he had a picture through a shipwreck. He was literally floating in the water holding on to a piece of driftwood. And he's like, well, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this, Lord, but I got to go to Rome. This isn't Rome. Man, what has God shown you? And when you think about it, or if you're not thinking about it, my question is, why aren't you? Why haven't you drawn out a little sketch and put it on your refrigerator? Why haven't you put a little thing on your mirror? As you're getting ready, you see part of the dream God's given you. I don't know. I I mean, why? Is it because the enemy has... In those moments in the past, you've given in a little bit and instead of thinking about the goodness of God, you've you've seen those things and you've had those thoughts come against you. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. Next time those thoughts hit you, respond with the word. You're not worthy. Oh, you're right. In my flesh, I'm not. But it's not about my worthiness. It's about Jesus and he's given me his worthiness. You're not good enough. Okay, I'm not. Confront the need in my flesh. I'm not, but I'm not just me. I am also filled with the Holy Spirit. Just go ahead and admit you can't do it. Why not? You're not called to do something you can do on your own. You're called to do something you can only do by partnering with the Holy Spirit. So confront the need. I can't do it. Accept it. But it's not just me over here. It's not just me. It's the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. It's Christ in me. And beyond that, it's my community who surrounds me and people are going to help me get there. And I got people that will pick me up and help me walk if I can't walk any longer. I got people that will answer the phone and will say, what's going on? Tell me about it. Man, get a picture and stay on it and don't let the enemy tell you. You're never going to get there. That's the wrong voice. It's the wrong voice saying, ha, ha, ha. You're never going to get there. No, the right voice is saying, hey, maybe right now we're still on a journey, but that's where I'm taking you. Get a picture. Get that picture on the inside and don't let anybody take it away. And if you don't have a picture, ask God. He'll give you one. He's not withholding information from you. I say this all the time, but he's speaking and he's speaking louder than you think. And he's speaking more often than you think. So many times we we have this idea. I can't hear the Lord. He's not speaking to me. No, the time of silence is over, right? The time of silence is done. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you speaking to you at all times. If you would just listen. If you'll just take that time, turn off all the other noise. You know, sometimes to hear something, you got to turn off the noise. Like if I'm at my in-laws house to hear anybody say anything, I got to turn that TV off. The problem is if you turn the TV off, the only thing you hear is, hey, why'd you turn that off? Turn that back on. Well, I guess it just has to be at 300 decibels and it has to be uh, anyway, anyway. My in-laws aren't here, so I can talk junk about them. But my mother-in-law watches every week. So, Momo, I really, I'm sorry. I, your TV's loud. <laughs> but Momo knows I love her. We all love Momo and Popo. It's, oh, Lisa said it's my dad that likes it loud, not Momo. Well... We've been talking about this for months now. I don't think we'll ever stop talking about it. But if there's any question in your mind what your future looks like, it is filled with hope. It is a good future. I know the thoughts, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you an expected end, a hope and a future. So start with there. Start with that. Maybe God hasn't downloaded an exact picture into your mind where you can say, I'll be standing on a stage uh, preaching in front of a thousand people or I'll be the owner of a company. Maybe you don't have a picture that's that detailed right now, but start with hope. When you close your eyes and you think about your future, what does it look like through hope? What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Don't be afraid to get a picture of that. Because as you do, man, your heart will be moved to worship. You'll begin to declare and prophesy over your own life. And just like David came out of that cave, you're going to come out of that cave and you're going to walk in victory. And at just the right time, you'll be exalted to those things you see in your heart. That cave wasn't the right moment. David came out of that cave and he still wasn't king. There was still more time that passed. In fact, David could have become king in that cave. He could have because he found King Saul asleep and he had a chance to drive a sword through him and come out of that cave and say, hey, I'm the new king. But he said, that's not how God is going to do this. And he waited and he waited. And in just the right time, he was exalted and he was elevated. And we might all want to get to that place God has called us to go. But let me tell you, you don't want to get there before it's the right time. You want to be there, but you want to be there at the right time. You want to be there when your heart is ready to receive those things. You want to be there when the integrity is there to keep you at the top, because if you get there with that integrity, that's just setting yourself up for a fall. So during the waiting season, this is how we're closing this series. During this waiting season, wrap your heart around the heart of the Lord. Wrap your thoughts around his thoughts. Wrap your life around the life he's called you to get. And as you do, man, he is working on the inside. And from the inside out, you'll experience more change than you've ever experienced before. All of a sudden, you'll be living your life. We just used the word integrity. You'll be living your life as a a person filled with integrity, where every decision you make is based on who you are in Christ and not anything else. And then in the right time, you'll be exhausted, you'll be elevated, and you'll be there walking out of that cave with breakthrough. Amen. That's powerful. So here's the five things. One last time as I invite the band to come back up. We see this, I mean, step by step in Psalm chapter 57. So, man, take this and... and. Uh, Man, read it. Read Psalm 57 this week. Read it every morning. I don't know. Just read it, get it on the inside of you. But here's what we see David do, and here's what we can do. Number one, confront the need. Don't be afraid to confront it. You cannot overcome what you don't confront. Number one, confront the need, confront the giant. Two, fix your thoughts on what is good, pure, holy, and nothing else. Three, use your imagination, not for worry, but to picture the outcome God has told you, to picture the outcome filled with hope, to picture <laughs> you living the life He's called you to live. That will move your heart to worship, and then, man, declare and prophesy who you are in Christ. Prophesy and declare into your own life, into your family. Prophesy to your kids. Prophesy to your mom, to your, to your brothers, to your sisters. You don't even have to be like, oh, I'm prophesying now. You can just tell people this is who you are man. you're not this person that made decision. No, no, you're a leader, not a follower. You can say things and make it not weird. Prophesy, Amen. speak the word yeah. and watch the breakthrough in your own life. Watch the breakthrough in other people's lives it starts from the inside out. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let's respond to the word with some worship. Let's all stand together. So we'll respond with a few moments of worship, and then I'm going to invite the prayer ministers to come up. And as we close, you'll have a chance to come get agreement on, on anything that you have a need of, anything that you would like some prayer for. You know, last week, last week there was a word about uh, breakthrough in marriages. And I, I believe we saw some. I've actually heard one testimony of some breakthrough and, uh, you know, not specifically about marriages today, but in our prayer time this morning, uh, Austin actually brought up and he was hearing the Lord say that he was just expecting and to see restoration in families today, families as a whole, not just marriages, but families. So, you know, as we worship here and as we invite everyone up in a few moments for prayer ministry or a prayer agreement, man, just be aware. Just be aware that if there are, are, are issues in your family if you're waiting for breakthrough then man today can be a day when you experience that breakthrough don't miss your chance to come get some agreement with any of our prayer ministers at the end of service but uh, i'm believing for that today i'm expecting to see it thank you father for who you are thank you for your word thank you for giving us a picture of what we can do when we are in a cave surrounded by enemies what we can do to experience the breakthrough that you've promised us. And the hope that you said fills our future. We're so grateful for who you are, for what you're saying to us right now. We just want to respond with our hearts and our minds set on you in these moments of worship here. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Amen.